Hello and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster, daytime cookie show contestant. And I'm sat in my little office at home, uh, as is Paul Foster, who's on the line with me now. You're right, mate. How you doing? You're right, yeah. This is <laughs> great. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I bet. Talking of Cov-isms, you must be fucking buzzing right now. Oh, Coventry City getting promoted over the moon. I've never known us win the league in my lifetime, and <laughs> yeah. the amount of people that say there's an asterisk next to it, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I mean, we've we've smashed the league. It's not like we scraped it. Seven points clear, game in hand. Only lost three. Yeah. Great goal difference. So nah, we deserve it. You can like help Liverpool fans that will be in the same boat in a few weeks' time when everyone's like, oh, it's not the proper seat. You'll be able to say, look, this is how you deal with it. This is what you have to say. This is how you, how you handle yeah. the situation. Well, I mean, at least they get to actually play it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The thing for them that I can't is, um, God, we've really digressed already on Film Club, haven't we? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, is they, they are going to celebrate in front of no fans. That'll be weird, won't it? I know. Horrible. And apparently, I was, I was listening to Talk Sport yesterday. And they were saying that when they um, collect the trophy, they have to social distance, even oh, though no. they've been on the pitch for 90 minutes together in <laughs> each other's point. faces. They got a social, there's, I think in Austria or some, somewhere they did it, and they had rings, almost like on Star Trek, where they were going to get beamed up, had to stand in these yeah. rings to accept the trophy. <laughs> Unbelievable! That is, it will be obviously going to go down in history, isn't it? Like everything right now. I mean, even this, yeah. this feels crazy. It feels like yesterday we were doing the last episode with Actar. Yeah, and we were sort of. Do you remember at the time we were a little bit like, "Oh, coronavirus." Do you reckon it's going to? What do you reckon? I know. Like, we weren't yeah. really sure, were we? We were like, "Oh, it could be really bad." I <laughs> know, oh, and it was only a week before the a week and a half before the lockdown we recorded that. So we were like, "Yeah, yeah what?" We were still learning, weren't we? Really. I know. As yeah. with the government, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Um, and yeah, so I'm sure, as a lot of people know, um, we've stopped Series 3 halfway through because we just didn't get around to recording anymore. Um, and we endeavoured to pick that up where we left off when things go back to normal, you know, whatever that is. But in the meantime, we're like, what, should, what can we do? We just want to have fun. We want people to take people's minds off stuff. So we created this film club idea. And where better to start with, probably one of the greatest food documentary series that there's ever been, that's ever been made with Chef's yeah. Table. It was pretty unanimous between the two of us, wasn't it, that we would pick a good episode of Chef's Table to kick things off. Exactly, yeah. We, we straight away, we, we discussed a couple, but yeah, Alinea yeah. was high up on the list, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So if you watched it, great. If not, hopefully you can learn a lot from what we talk about and that'll make you go and watch it. And we're going to do a different episode of either Chef's Table or other documentaries or films loosely related to food i imagine but if we're still doing this in september we're gonna be yeah. like really te- it's like oh when shawshank redemption eats a sandwich at some point so that's a that's a food film we'll be pulling up old <laughs> episodes of ready steady cook yeah. <laughs> actually i would be up for that I'd be up <laughs> yeah for be reviewing. i bet you can find it on uk gold or something yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, Chef's Table, Alinea, where do you start? So just to quickly set the scene, it's season two, episode one with Grant Ackett's. I was really dubious about how to say his name. And yeah, I did that classic me. thing of I Googled it being like trying to find interviews with him in and everyone does it differently. So me and Paul had a funny conversation where Paul was leaving me voicemails being like, it's Grant Ackett's like jackets. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I did actually... Um, Google it to double check as well, but I was sure it was yeah. Ackett's Packets Jackets, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That helped me. I've got that in my head now and it's, it's worked. <laughs> it works. Um, yeah, it really did. Uh, yeah, so this was um, the first episode of Series 2. This, incidentally, is the highest rated Chef's Table episode on IMDb. So oh, we, is it? We, and we didn't know that when we picked this one, did we? Oh, no, um, 9.2, that is high, isn't it? That's decent. Um, and it, it sort of kicks off with him stood in, a, in an art gallery talking about food and art and already sort of setting the scene for like, um, I guess how creative and how sort of magical his world is when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's super inspiring, I think, when you see these elite level chefs in that situation. And obviously they ham it up in a documentary style, but it is just like he automatically from the get-go, you get this sense that he just thinks a bit differently about it. That's what you sort yeah. of feel at the beginning, I think. Yeah, you do. What stands out is, and you there's not many out there like that. You put them in the same box as Fernandria and Heston in that yeah. they they question everything. 
They don't yeah. even the simple things like they don't just do because that's what you do, yeah. and then creative with part of it. It's like why should we serve food on plates? Why should we be doing that? And people weren't, you know, fifteen years ago when it started, people weren't that progressive in that way. Food was, and obviously our bully was, but you know, we just you got plates designed for a dish every time, which yeah. is just it's just such a forward way of thinking and just asking the question like, can we do this better? Why do we do it like this? Yeah, I, it's just a completely different way of looking at it. And in that opening scene, you see the first dish, and it's that table where he's just like, mm. "Oh, you don't need plates, you don't." You yeah, know. and um, he uh, they start doing it, don't they? And it is crazy. I assume that's a dessert. Until well, we don't we do find yeah. out, don't we? Right at the end, what that is. But it is nuts because for me, I sort of like, you know, you know, people that, and this sounds really snobby, but you know, like people that don't really get get it. Mm. Yeah. when it comes to this sort of food that is my worst nightmare because I feel like if when they see that they go that's not food that's not food yeah, that's not food that, you know, so a table yeah. too tight to clean plates that yeah, sort of comment exactly. yeah. yeah but but you can't not I mean it just looks like an absolute it looks does look literally does. Look like a piece of art that doesn't the, it yeah you should look it up on YouTube there's some videos of them doing it at the table and there's some like, that one's different they changed it and they had this like chocolate ball where they used to set chocolate around a balloon Fill it yeah. with all sorts. They decorated the plate up and then just drop it from a height and it just smash all over the place. Wow. But f- funny story. Um, somebody did that dessert on Great British Menu. Did they? Yeah, like you just Who, don't do it. it. I you don't, it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just going to Google Great British Menu chocolate balloon. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean the judges. I don't know whether the judges hadn't heard of it or they were just being like. I don't know, just trying to humour the person, but they were like, oh, wow, this is incredible. Like, went into the judge's chamber and dressed the dessert on the table and all the crazy swipes and everything. And I just remember speaking to her, it's like, you don't, you just don't do that. You don't do it. <laughs> no. Oh, God. I, that is just so stupid. Um, I think the the next sort of, the first dish you see after that, like, opening montage bit, which, by the way, is so epic as well, isn't it? Just the, mm. the whole, the style of the documentary with the music. And, yeah. the, and just those close-up shots and everything. Like I, I imagine somewhere in a university, they show excerpts of this documentary. It's like, this is how you do documentaries. This is how mm. beautiful they should look. This is how cool it should be. Yeah, it's and then we beautiful see the, the cinematography. Stra- yeah, it really is. Um, they show that strawberry and tomato dish. Yeah. And what I thought was really cool, and I'm really pleased they put that right at the beginning, is that he made a big point of how these we do what everyone else does. We just take it on a longer journey than everyone, basically. Yeah. And they look like shitty tomatoes that fell off a truck, to be honest. They look re- <laughs> they just look like any old shit. Yeah. And it was just like, no, this is just, this is the journey it goes through. And then you get that beautiful twist on a strawberry at the end. Yeah, and, and I think that's what some people don't realize and some chefs forget when they're trying to cook like that when you can't is he's had like incredible training and he's got a passion for great produce so he is only using the best possible produce and he's manipulating a way that you know makes it into his style he's not just buying anything it's already coming through the door it's incredible stuff so in, in terms of the same philosophy as myself i just don't manipulate it we cook it in a different way but straight down the line the produce is king yeah and it's i love that that is the bent it's still it's like he's working with what any any other chef could get mm. their hands on sort of thing at the same time it's really cool exactly have you yeah. ever gone like that made me think though do you ever go down a rabbit hole almost with like you know a bit of produce comes in you've maybe got a bit more time because the kitchen's under control or it's a day off or whatever and you just go right i've got this and then you just spend seven hours off in a different does that happen um it doesn't so much anymore now you sort of know your style and know what you want i think for me it used to a bit more when um when i was the first a head chef and you're like you know produce is coming in you've got free reign and you're just trying stuff out yeah. um yeah. but f- fortunately i always had good training good grounding that i wouldn't just go crazy i'd i'd sit down i'd taste it and i would you know a bit like um you know, he, he talks about in the show, question it, is it right? Is it good enough? Not just do it because it's fancy or someone else is doing it. And yeah. sometimes as well, if, if your team aren't that experienced like they were at the time, they're going to be amazed by everything. So cooking it for your team, if they're not that experienced, you're not going to get the best feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, or they're too scared to tell you it's shite. 
So yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll just be, yeah, it's amazing, chef. Love it. And you don't need that sometimes, you know. Do you know? I'd, I'd put it to people that weren't cooks or didn't know anything about food to get a different different yeah, look on it. Yeah, um, sense, mate, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'd... I went. Uh, I did a stage at WD Fifty, which is a very similar sort of vein. And Wiley's a very intelligent guy and cooks very similar to um, Alinea. Um, that's the only time I've ever really approached food in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to learn it, but I didn't take a lot away thinking oh, I want to do that because you know, look at Alinea, how many chefs are there, and WD Fifty and our bully and. Um, yeah. you know, same with Fat Duck. French Laundry, yeah. Yeah, I've got, there's three of us, or four yeah. if we're lucky. You've got to be realistic about what you've got and what you can achieve. Yeah, yeah absolutely, mm-hmm. mate. Um, we then get into that, like, montage in the doc about uh, his, like, growing up and, like, you touched up on there, like, with his dad mm. going, like, food needs to be hot and fast. Like, it's like <laughs> a classic <laughs> cliche sort of. Yeah. But he seems so curious. I don't know whether he was just saying it for the documentary, but he, he was like, yeah, I was just curious. Like, I didn't, oh, that microwave meal t- tastes shit. Like, that, he's so curious. Like, that made me think, I, you know, that whole sort of nature-nurture debate. Like, was he just born thinking about it all differently? Or did it, was it actually being given some shit food over and over that made him question, oh, yeah. God, you know what? I think there's better ways of doing all this. Well, he's obviously, whether it's nature or nurture, he's obviously a very... Um he's the type of person who questions and he's very curious and wants to understand. And like, yeah, why yeah. you, what not, he won't just accept that something's good. He wants to know why. And then when you yeah. know why you can make it better. So like even little things, which was great to hear his uncle, he was, um, he got some chips and wrapped a gherkin around it or, or a pickle <laughs> as they call it. And he was like, this is going to be horrible. He's like, what, why, why is it good? Not it's a kid. I would have been like, yeah, it's lovely. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I would. Oh. I'll come another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, why? And his uncle explained it to him. And he said that was where he fell in love with food, which is yeah, it's yeah. quite amazing to hear. Yeah. It's pretty damn cool. Also, I forgot to say at the very beginning, you know, we, uh, I think they do this in all the chef's table episodes, you know, they get like a critic to set the scene for you. Like yeah. build up a bit of the driver. Um, his name, the guy's name they use here was a guy called Francis Lamb, and he's clearly so passionate about it. And it made me laugh a lot because he did that classic thing where he was like, oh, it's such a magical experience. I'm not going to tell you. It'd spoil it if you ever went. And then literally then he tells you. He goes, <laughs> so you go through the door, then eight feet along, you take a right, and then you go into this room. And I was like, hang on, mate. You just Hang said on. you wouldn't spoil it. You're loving it. You can't wait to tell everyone. Too excited. He'd, yeah, he'd tell you the end of any movie, wouldn't he? he would. Yeah, he definitely would, that guy. Um, yeah, we also then got some bits of like the what they sort of refer to as like the magic show. And then you see like some footage of just people dining. Mm. And then you get like that floating chili thing. You get the fire thing where they do dishes, and then there's chicken cooking inside the fire and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's also, but it's it does for, for me. I love that it's so clever. Yeah, it's actually quite simple at the same mm. time. Like yeah. the why why didn't I think of that sort of thing? I exactly. love that. It's exactly. So cool. And like the things that I mean, it's so much about the mise en place, a place like that. And if you watch it, it's like. That dish where the chicken thigh is cooking in the charcoal, it's like they've prepared it, sent it all out. Obviously, it's really, it's technical. It's not easy to get right, or they're all in the pre-work. And then, you know, what what it's doing, it's taking pressure off the kitchen as well. The diner, dining staff have to work very hard, but the first few courses are within that, cooking away. They don't have to worry about it once it's left. So it's giving a bit of a break to the kitchen to because of the amount of work they have to do. So it's clever in that sense how they can you know put so much focus on what the restaurant staff do it takes a bit of the pressure off the kitchen to work the next dish because it's all about timings a place like that like that is ridiculously that strict is, that is fascinating you say that because i would have never have even known or thought of it in that way but clearly from your side of the fence you're thinking oh do you know what that's quite clever because that takes some pressure off the <laughs> yeah. that's really that's cool that's, i love that um i guess we get the um quite soon actually in the documentary because they talk about his childhood only a little bit in some other chef's table episodes you get loads about mum and dad and all that sort of stuff but then they go into the French laundry bit because that was really the most pivotal point of his whole career I feel when he went to the French laundry and talked about and clearly idolises Thomas Keller and I love that story when he was like, you know, I walked in and there's this guy mopping the floor and I said, yeah. excuse me, where's the chef? And yeah. he's like, I'm the chef. Like, it's just, it's like a film, isn't it? It's yeah. 1996 as well. It's like 24 years ago. Um, and you and know that's told... true. You know yeah. that's true. Oh, that's the way it works. Yeah. hundred percent. And then he told that story about how he was getting inventive 
And then eventually he showed Thomas Keller a dish and Thomas Keller was like, yeah, 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 this is fucking great. But if it goes on my menu, you know, it's not your dish anymore. And I was like, that is, I never even thought about that. And that must be, has that ever happened to you? Where like one of your guys cooks something, you go, cool, that's mine, cheers. Like that'll go in the book. (laughs) Well, it's never specifically done, but you know, I I mean, the only place I'd really put dishes on I was super proud of was when I was at Sats. And you just know you wouldn't be like, well, that's mine. I'm taking it with me. One, because you evolve and move on anyway. And two, it's like that becomes part of that brand and that Sats dish. And, you know, even though it's yours, Sat might have had a tweak of it and it's fitting with his style and his menu, yeah. you know you can't just take it. You, you know, the techniques, or you might, you might love a component that you've created there or something that you take on. But it's the same with my guys as well. It's, it's a team thing, and I've always said that. The menu doesn't purely come from me. It's like I lay out how it should look, how it should be, the the sort of the concept, the flow of the menu, and they can come in with dishes that fit that. They have to fit what we do so that they know it's 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 ours. You know, and I'm yeah. never out there. You know, if some of my guys put great dishes on and the customers sometimes that's their favourite dish on the menu, I'm like... <laughs> I'm not sorry about it, but you know, <laughs> yeah. obviously I talk to a lot of guests. I, I, you know, I say, "Oh, that's Laura's dish, or that's Gibbo's dish." You know, I'd never, um, yeah. I'd never take the credit. It's like, yeah, they've that's Gibbo's that. dish. But what about the carrot? Was the carrot? <laughs> <was the> <laughs> Come on, that's my only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I was like going to Rollins... ask you about the carrot. I, based on that that episode, I was like, I bet Paul's going to Paul's going to be graffitiing his carrot dish from now on with that carrot spray that, that he's using. Like, that was like wicked. I was like, that yeah. looks cool. I think Paul should steal cool. that if he's going to steal anything from this. Um, yeah, you talked about it a little bit there, like the, about the restaurant's philosophy, like against what everyone else, what everyone wants to do. And that was one of the reasons he left because he realized if I was going to change, I needed to be in my own space, my own philosophy. <laughs> and that's when this idea of like, a greatest hits menu versus constantly evolving. And that's something I never even thought about before. But I suppose for a lot of places, that becomes a big decision to make for these reputable places. It does. And, you know, but then you look at, say, taking French Laundry, they, they, from my experience, they do a bit of both. But it still fits. It still works. Like they change the menu every single day there. Every oh, single service. Wait, you were there. You were there for for a couple of months or something, right? Is yeah, that- I was there six weeks on stage. Um, yeah, and so you finish service. You have a meeting at the end of the night to plan the menu the next day. Now there's a structure, there's a formula, and so the second course was always a foie gras like option. So it's a torchon or it's a terrine. But then the chefs are discussing garnishes, what's in season. Should we pick some strawberries on the way in? And you know they build the menu like that. And then what they're doing... Are you able to... You're only there for six weeks. Are you able to contribute to that? Or are you just listening and just... I was involved in in the conversations and stuff. And I was just... Mainly, I was just a bit like... A bit gobsmacked, a bit mouth open. That I was just invited into that with, you know, the exec chef, Corey Lee, and all the guys. I was like, wow. Was Thomas Keller there for those conversations? It it would be sometimes, yeah. And he wouldn't wouldn't really get involved. He'd just listen. Might have the odd little word. He might whisper something in Corey's ear. Um, Wow. But it's... um, it wouldn't be overly progressive, but what they'd do, they'd have VIPs, which I think were people that had been before. So they would get an off-menu dish, which every chef de party on every section had to have, as well as their menu, this off-menu dish that they'd create, whatever it wanted to be. Oh, so something okay. something new. something. So basically, they're giving a guest something they've never had before at French Laundry. And then you had VVIPs. And they would get some of the classics rolled in as well. So, you know, the coffee and donuts wasn't always on the menu, but it was always there. You know, so, you know, I I ate on my last night in the the chef's office overlooking the pass. And, um, you know, I had all the classics as well as all the progressive stuff they were doing. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah, when uh, Haley and I, uh, it sounds like a in this world that we exist in, when people listen to it, it always sounds like like to, a lot of people don't know who Massimo Batora is, but yeah. in this world, I feel like a dick dropping names. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, Haley and I went there. We went to Massimo Batora's a couple of years ago, and that that was the thing I'd never seen it before, where they had two menus, mm-hmm. and it was literally that. It was a greatest hits on the right, and the cooking seasonally and evolution now. And what was, it was sort of, I was annoyed in a way because I had to choose. Yeah, you wanted a bit of that. In some ways, yeah, well, yeah, because uh, honestly, the fan in you goes, oh, I've seen that dish on the TV Mm. or I've seen it on Chef's Table or I want that. But then also it's like, oh, these are 
fresh new creations based on seasonal projects that he's thought of in the last couple of weeks. So you've got to go back the next night. Yeah. (laughs) If it was that easy to get a table, I think we would have. That's why I think the French Laundry work it well, because they kind of wrap it up into the menu, because there is only one menu. So kind of wrap it in amongst it, a few little hits. But, I mean, you're always going to have that dilemma. I mean, you go and see if Oasis was still playing, you'd want to hear their classics. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a fucking great analogy, actually. Yeah, you, you know. would. You'd be dis. Actually, and most the of the time, stuff. yeah, when the bands say, and here's one from our new album, you would look at pint. Should we get a pint? Like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> a little it's bit. Too, it's, it's true, though, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah. some of my favourite bands are singers. I can't wait for their new stuff and you want to get into it, but you don't want to experience it on the first concert because it's not. It doesn't mean anything to you, I suppose. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, you... But I suppose in this case, though, um, Grant is so constantly evolving that it's, mm. uh, even though he's got a couple of famous dishes, I guess they never really get too famous because they're just not on the menu long enough to get enough coverage, are they? So yeah, exactly, exactly. It's mental. We we then get before we we're going to talk about the the illness bit um, shortly, but I just wanted to drop in how much I fucking love Nick Kakonis. Oh no, boss. Yeah. Like, I love him this on guy. as well. Oh, do you follow him? I don't. But he, yeah. I mean, he literally, he's the, he is the boss of dreams because he, I mean, he literally, <laughs> he went and ate his food and said, I'll give you a restaurant whenever you want it. Mm. He went with him to the hospital when he was ill. He got him drunk like that yeah. night and went drinking with him. This guy is like the greatest boss in the world. He's so like, he chill about everything. He's just gives like, him the ultimate amount of freedom. Like the yeah. ultimate amount of freedom. And it, it, interesting. You should, uh, I might have it here actually. I'll, I'll um, let you have it. You should read his autobiography. It's called Life on the Line. Okay. I, I read it. It was on my honeymoon. So it would have been 2012. Brilliant. It, it gives you a hell of a lot more detail about his life growing up and the illness, etc. Um, and then how he met Nick and he, Nick, I think there'd been a bit of a gap after Nick spoke to him. And then he, right. um, he, um, Grant turned up at his house just with like a basic business plan. And Nick was like, I just, I don't want to look at that. We'll make money. Don't worry about it. It was, we want wow. you to have the restaurant you need. It just, it just kind of disregarded. It's like, let's not worry about the money. So I want you to be a chef and create this world-class food. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I've never amazing. met anyone like that. <laughs> I was going to say, the first thing, I literally turned to Hayley when we were watching it, I was like, that can't happen often. That you run into mm. a guy who tries your food and goes, great, just let me know when you want to open a restaurant and I'll just make it happen for you because you yeah. need to be... It's like, what? What? A, what? He, he's obviously a very savvy businessman. He knows he's got a world-class talent and they can create a world-class restaurant, which in turn will make money. Yeah. You know, if, as long as you do it right. But the ultimate freedom... It's incredible. Yeah, and, and the knock-on was crazy because obviously that happened so quick because he said, Grant, if you want a restaurant, I'll make you one. He made one. Then within a year, it was like, and then even night one, I think he said on the thing, three pages in, yeah, three page mm. coverage in the New York Times. Mm. Um, number one in the US, was it, was that within the first year? Like it was yeah. an absolute whirlwind. Like I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be caught up in such a storm like that. It must I know, been. yeah. Did he make it, uh, does it, does his name and the reputation of that restaurant make it to these shores at that time? Or did it take longer for people to know who he was internationally? I, I first heard of it, it was probably quite early on. It was probably about a year after opening-ish, around 2006. Yeah, because it was definitely, I went to French Laundry in 2007 and I was already yeah. very well, very well aware of it. Right, yeah, so it probably 2006-ish, maybe, or a bit before that, I was well aware of what it was, what they were doing. Yeah. They properly burst on the scene then. Um, mm. we, we then, like, go, we transition a bit into, like, the whole illness stuff, which was a yeah. crazy story. But I have to admit, the first thing I thought of was Callum Franklin when he talked yeah, about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought you'd say that, yeah. Yeah, like, it was just so obvious that no matter, like, all these shit, whether you you know, whatever level you're at, chefs seem to have this thing in common where they're so uh they're working so hard silly hours and there's no let up and then mm-hmm. on top of that you know on his level especially this elite pursuit of like the best thing ever he's willing to ignore what is obviously horrendous symptoms like yeah. it's not like a, yeah. like a mole that got a little like it was he couldn't taste anymore and he couldn't bite and he couldn't and i was like how have you not in agony yeah to- it took his boss again, this hero, fucking Nick. He comes in and says, look, you've got to go. I'm taking you to hospital now. And it's but it's un- unbelievable, just... though, that because Nick said to him, 
basically fuck the dentist, go to an oral surgeon. <laughs> yeah, but why wasn't does. a dentist saying, yeah, I don't know what that is, go to an oral surgeon? <laughs> You yeah, know. good point. Maybe yeah. the dentist was like, I don't know, you should come back in two days and pay another $200. For <laughs> yeah, Maybe it's probably. like that, I have no idea. But yeah, I thought of Callum straight away, which is bizarre because Callum was the first ever episode we ever did of this and Callum was brilliant because we didn't know how that episode would go. We just knew we wanted to get chefs to feel chilled. We didn't want them to feel like they were on a TV show. We just wanted yeah. them to talk really honestly. And he told that story quite towards the end about how he was ignoring symptoms. And it basically, if you haven't heard the episode, go back. And he says, I was lying on the street feeling like I could die. Like exactly, it, was, it got yeah. that bad. And he was ignoring symptoms. I was like, fuck, this is, it's like a trend. Yeah. This is an industry problem. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I'm nowhere near to either Callum or, or definitely, obviously, Grant's level. But I've, I've done the same. You know, you know, you just you put it off, put it off, put it off, and oh, I'd be alright. Fine, I'm, I'm too busy. I ain't got the time. Then, ironically, you have to, you have to take, like Callum said, you have to take loads of time off, so you do have bloody time. I know. Yeah. And then what a journey this fucking guy goes on because he gets told he's got a seventy percent chance to live. But then you've got this lovely, like, parallel philosophy where him and his restaurant is flip things on its head, turn things around, mm. and then he goes to a university and they say, we're not going to do the same treatment as a hospital. I'm going to flip it around. We're going to look at it differently. We're going to do it in a completely different way. And he clearly, I think he said the phrase, sign me up, sign me up straight away. And yeah. literally two days before, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. Yeah. And then I was like, I could, you just literally just turn the script on its head within a few hours. It just if it, if the whole thing almost felt like this is too good to be true, like this one of the best chefs up and coming in the world, and he gets cancer in his throat and mm. can't taste anymore. Like it literally sounds like a a, a movie. The whole yeah. that whole story. Yeah, I remember hearing about it. I was it was actually I went on my interview for Sats, so that would have been the end of two thousand and seven. And I remember he told me at the interview because it just started coming out. I was like, oh, fucking hell. And he was really? like, is he, he could either die or completely lose his tongue and his taste. Um, but it was quite interesting looking at it last night. And I, look, I, I thought about it a bit deeper than, than the surface level. And what was quite a shame was that he had attached so much of himself and his identity. And like a lot of chefs do, and I've been guilty of it as well, um, to that is all that you are. So he thought, without test, taste, I'm nothing. Without being a yeah. chef, I'm nothing. And I've, I've been guilty of that, and I know a lot of chefs are, that your whole identity is way too wrapped up in that, and all I am is a chef. And that's what came across to me last night. Mm. And it was, it was quite powerful, because I was like, you know, you, you are so much more than that. And it's quite a shame that he was like, I'm nothing if I lose this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense, mate. We just talked about how the silly hours chefs work anyway, and then that pursuit for greatness in this guy's case, and a lot of you know, good chef's case, that it's easy to forget, oh, who am I outside of the kitchen? Yeah. What do I do? What is my, you know, that is super telling. And then when he talks about how the taste buds came back, but it, even though it took a long time, he started thinking with his head, I think he said. And yeah. it reminded me of that whole thing about, you know, like a blind person says, you know, my my hearing is heightened and my sort of the mm. sense is heightened. It was a little bit like that when he was like, I can't use my taste, but I can use my brain. I've tasted before and I can yeah. just look at it differently. It was almost like a strange blessing that he could completely rewrite the script on it all. Yeah. And it allowed him to step back a bit and let his team shine. And you know, the restaurant still went from strength to strength. He was there. He was orchestrating still, even from his hospital bed and he was drawing yeah. diagrams. And, <laughs> drawing diagrams. Yeah. And, yes, you know, yes. you can draw diagrams and make it look a certain way. But the, I found it interesting the way he got the flavor across to the guys. He was like one to five, like four salt, five acidity. So they yeah. knew knew where they were at. And yeah, you know, obviously yeah. he's got complete trust in nice guys and they're up there for a reason. I love those little scenes where you see him with his team and you meet the team. I think you meet Mike a bit. And uh, the scenes where he's sat down and they're sat opposite him and he's got the whiteboard behind him. Yeah. It it literally looks like a sketch show because he's saying mental things. Like, he's like, so what if we, you know, make this float? Or what if we, what if... you know, someone puts their shoe on, and then the and then the inside of the shoe is chocolate. Like, I was, you, <laughs> yeah. like, what are you talking about? He's just, he's sat yeah. and they're looking at him like, uh, yeah. I think one of them says something like, "You just sound like Stephen Hawking, mate." Like, I literally yeah, did, yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, we, what if we could put the food on the wall and they eat it? We're not going to do that, but what if we did it? 
<laughs> I just like that. You don't. This just looks like a sketch show. This is what people think happens in like Heston's places and all these sorts of this Willy Wonka thinking. It's just hilarious. But I that, love that, those that, interactions. For me, like, that's a part of the creative process that I love. And sometimes you're quite scared to say something. And it doesn't matter if the idea is crap. It's a starting point, isn't it? And yeah. you're discussing it in this safe place. And it's like that. I think, if I remember rightly, that putting the food on the walls ended up being the food on the table. Table, yeah. That, yeah. That, that beautiful dessert, yeah. yeah. Every idea starts from somewhere, so it just doesn't matter if you start talking shit. you got to throw shit against the wall to see what sticks eventually. Exactly. No idea is a bad idea at all. Only if you think, start serving it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Ed, Ed Sheeran, I think, said in his documentary, the one on, uh, I think it was through Apple, that he did that documentary, he said he, he basically thinks he writes 70 songs for every good one. Yeah. But that's mental when you think about it. That's crazy, In your head, you just get that album, you go, great, 14, great, well done. Yeah. You've had to churn through a lot of shit to get there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's the same with dishes. A lot of dishes just don't work. I'm sure I've said to you before, in my head, they sound amazing. You put them on a plane, that's pretty shit. (laughs) (laughs) In that process, though, like, I don't really think we've gone, we've talked too much about it. Like, how... Not just necessarily creative, but because I know in terms of like, you're, you've always been ingredients led, so it's always been flavour first, that's the philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still looks fucking amazing on the plate, but have you ever gone down like a scientific rabbit hole? Like how sciencey or like new gadgety, like compared to this guy, obviously a lot of people haven't gone that far, but like what's, have you ever done, gone down that rabbit hole? I haven't really, to be honest. I've, I've there was a stage where I was just like, very anti it like no that's not fucking me i don't do that not not (laughs) let me explain just so i don't sort of get it get it wrong i love i absolutely two of the best meals i've ever had a um, fat duck i'm gutted i never got a chance to go out bully i love what um for um grant does but like i was saying earlier they these guys they're obviously ridiculously creative minds with incredible minds around them and massive teams research teams the best kitchen the best everything at their exposure, you know, and then you look at say where Heston started when there's a few of them in the kitchen, what they were cooking and how technical it was. There's a three or four of them and it's completely different. So it's about, I've always understood you can only cook with, you know, within your boundaries and whatever you've got. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'd always, it got a bit of a bad name when I was starting being a head chef because there was guys that weren't very well skilled and they had two or three chefs, seven-day operations, and they were trying to cook like that with 10 components on a plate and trying to do all these yeah. fucking spherification and warm jellies and stuff. But they don't understand it. They don't do it properly, and it ends up being shit because yeah. too much work to do. Something has to give. So I was always like, no, that's not what we do. We're natural. We're beautiful. We're simple. We spend time, all that time, all that effort on extracting the flavor, not um, not trying to make it look crazy or re- reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah, but, you know, sense. I'm more open to it now if I think it can enhance the plate or the food, I, I, I'd do it. But I went through, you know, I'd go to places and they'd just have absolutely terrible meals because these guys were trying to do these stupid things because they'd <laughs> see, seen it on telly. I mean, when I started in Suffolk, I went I went to a restaurant, right? Um, it, it was okay. I'm not going to say the name of it. Um, <laughs> some supplier, some suppliers took me there, and it was like there was three, four chefs in the kitchen. Lovely little place. It was a pub, right? A right, pub, okay, a, a lovely, a lo- lovely pub. Lovely pub, right? Sat down. We had eleven different types of bread. Like, what? Who, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and you know, and it's wait like anything, not to, isn't it? Not wait a minute, not, not you, what like a basket, and then you choose which one you want. No, or you had six come out on a plate but there was four or five of us on the table but there was one of each so like oh you have to like, fight over if I, I had the olive one you couldn't have the you could have the oh, bacon one and like that's weird. and then another five came out and they were completely different so like, fucking oh how word. much time have they got but you could tell like that for some of them they just made a mass dough and they rolled olives into that and they put a bit of bacon into that and it was like you know, like with anything like that, if you're doing too much, something has to give. And what is it? It's always the quality, isn't it? Yeah. 11 tops of bread. And then we had loads of amuses and stuff. And I was like, where are we? There's a couple over there eating burgers. 
you know this is incongruent with fucking yeah, yeah. what's going on and then oh, it gets better and then there's all this fucking like spherified stuff i had this pork dish some of it was all right but there was like nine different types of pork on it so like it quite it was pretty cold it just wasn't what? tasty it was like there was a fillet there was a shoulder there was a fucking a perfect long piece of crackling that was fucking like uh, ruler <laughs> and all these, and then another bit come on the side and i was i was broken and then we had this pre-dessert right and it was um it was just a granita right and nobody wants mm-hmm. to eat just granita because it's just not by itself cold. No, it's just, boring not, yeah, not by yeah, itself too cold, so rubbish the bowl was like a big glass fruit bowl each it was fuck it was ludicrous right yeah it, probably two liter bowl and then it was it was like a mound probably so basically um, a slush puppy we sort of, but it's more more <laughs> icy. It was, yeah. yeah, but um, like two tennis balls worth of granita. <laughs> it, it was wa- watermelon granita, I think. And then and it comes down and like this girl come up to serve us and she was nervous as hell. Just a little part-time local Suffolk girl. Yeah, yeah. And she had this massive pillow, right? Big grand pillow with beautiful fucking gold tassels on it. What? And she walked around. There was a syringe on the fucking Pillow, no, yeah, honestly. No. Oh my god! Like, sorry, no, I'm not into drugs. I'm alright, thanks. <laughs> and she, she caught and she was nervous, shaking, and there was some sort of elderflower something in this, and then she just squirted it on our granita with this stupid pillow, and then went, and I just had this numb mouth from eating all this cold <laughs> granita. What the hell? That so is. What, what are you doing? It didn't. Oh, you know, it's, that, just, it's like. He's been, they've been so inspired, but it's just come out right, it's misdirection. Just, just trying completely. too hard. Like they, yeah. good cook, good cooks there, but trying way too hard. The product suffers. That's it. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't trying to be molecular or anything, but it's just a good example of how, fuck it, try too hard. Like, you, you, how many times you've been to salt? We do one type of bread. Yeah. That's it. Oh, you know? yeah, and and if I was to great. change that, we'd do one. You know, and do it amazing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And we do one beautiful petty four. We might do more in the future, but it'd be two, you know. And then, um, you know, same with a little snack. We just do one. It's not everything. And I'd never put nine different types of pork on a plate. Oh, man, like, that is that is crazy. mental. I bet, did that pillow remind you, the pillow we saw in the documentary? I've that actually got that in my notes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that was fucking good. It was one of those things where even a little bit of you was like, what? Come on. A pillow. Like, what are you talking But then just to see him in slow motion patting it, that was enough for yeah. me. I was like, yeah, fucking yeah, this looks good. But and what you, was the smell coming off? Is it nutmeg? It was a nutmeg smell, yeah. And you yeah. know, and because it, it's not smoke, it's vapor, so it's pure. It's You oh. just know it's going to be beautiful as you yeah. press down on you're getting that aroma. I know, what, just watching him do that it was giving me enough. That was, I loved it. It was great. What, what a clever way to do it, though, because I, I always smell my food. Even if I've got a chocolate bar, I've got it in my nose and I'm smelling it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, always. But like if, Sniffing you know, a not, whisper like it's a Merlot. I do. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a cigar along the nose. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, even like a plate of food in a restaurant, I smell it, but it goes. But every time you just get this beautiful little aroma. I think that it's just incredible. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, the, we, we then like towards the end, we see like the montage of all the dishes. They whip through them, don't they, to the music. Um, yeah. Which is just, it's so cool. It's almost overwhelming though, isn't it? You're just like, oh my God, that looks amazing. That looks, you can't take it all in. Like I can barely mm. tell you what any of them are, but they looked unbelievable. I reckon, produ- I'm going to talk production values here. Just doing that must take them days just to film it, to oh, get God. the right shots. Because they got to prepare the food, then they got the lighting, they've got the light. That mm. just must take an age just to yeah, get oh, the must. food on the camera. It must do. There's a lot, a lot of work that goes into that. And then you look at um, the things they created just for that. So do you remember he was talking about, he created the dish, like you said earlier, uh, for Thomas Keller. And, he, um, and Thomas Keller loved it and was going to go on the menu. He cooked yeah. it while they were telling the story. And you just yeah. saw him plate it up. They never made reference to it, never pointed it out. No one ever ate it. They just made it. It looked incredible. You know it's not an Alinea dish. Yeah. And, you know, so just the little things like that, yeah, little details, I think are brilliant. It's so clever. I think that's what it sets it apart. Actually, I checked and they've won, they've won several Emmys for the documentary making, which is pretty under the radar because they're the sort of awards you don't hear about. You hear about yeah. Best Actor. You, hear about, you don't hear about, mm. like, who Cinematography wins. Cinematography and stuff, yeah. Exactly. And they've won. They are at the top of their game, these guys. Um, and it and suits yeah, like, a linear. 
doesn't it? That, yes. that oh. videography shoots suits Alinea. 100%. And yeah, to, towards the end, we sort of like, we get, I like the payoffs we get. Like, I love the story about how he talked about Mike, the guy who he works with, mm. presented him with the, the dish. Because he, Mike is the <laughs> yeah. one who got the balloon right. He's the one yeah, that yeah. actually got the balloon right. And then he said, right, but if that's covered on my menu, you know, that's my dish. And I was like, hey, got him, got him. <laughs> are you, he goes, are you okay with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. But I did if have you a go- question, like, is that, that is just sugar, right? Uh, um, oh, just sugar, no. I don't know what they do with that. I couldn't even oh. tell you. But they do something, they use different types of inverted sugar and they do certain temperatures. There's going to be some right. sort of, that, something in there to keep really... it pliable. Yeah, we never really sort of find that out. And because you only say, you only ever hear him say, play around with sugar. And then that made me think, is this a bit style over substance? Because this is it just this is sugar. It's a floating bit of sugar, isn't it? Is that? Um, I don't know much about it, actually. I don't know if they put some sort yeah, of put something in flavor some... in it or what. They must do, because Alinea is more than just theatrics. It follows through yeah, the flavor. It's got to be. What was I thinking? But, Doubting it. Yeah. But it's funny, though. If um, I'd seen it a while ago, and I actually went on to check last night. If you find Mike's. Um, what's his name? Bag, baggy or something? If you find oh, his yeah, Instagram, because he, he hasn't worked at Alinea for a few years now. If you find oh, okay. his in, Instagram, he's like the creator of floating food. Is Pain, <laughs> paintant coming soon. <laughs> yes, Mike. <laughs> I really liked him. He came in yeah. great. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was amazing. Funny. Yeah, and then I guess towards the end, we just sort of like... It's always a bit, because this was like four years ago, you sort of want to know, like, what happened next? You know, where, what, you know, and then I guess they got, they closed and they're going to refurb and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, where is, do you know what, what's the deal with him now? Like, are they still in the top 50 restaurants? Are they still? I, I don't know if they are. I mean, it's such a fickle list, that, isn't it? But um, yeah, 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 that's true. Who's got the best PR, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I don't know, actually. I don't think it was consistently there in the top 10, 20 for a long time, if I'm if I'm right, especially 10 years ago. But, you know, it's still incredible, but the kind of fallout of favour with stuff like that, just, just because. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I haven't really heard much about it specifically, other than I know, obviously, they're closed like everywhere else at the moment. And yeah, of course, they, yeah. They were actually doing some sort of takeaway. Were they? Yeah. Excuse me, can I, get a bal- can I get a balloon? And they're like, I'm afraid it's raining. It's raining. You can't have that. <laughs> um, I don't know what it was. It was tasty. It looked tasty. It looked good. I can't remember what it was. But I don't think they did it for long. But right. there as well. So Nick, um, the owner, have you heard of Tok? No, a booking system called Tok. It's coming no. in over here now. It's basically a restaurant ticketing system where you prepay. Ah, okay. He he's behind that. Ah, nice. And it's oh, gone. So he's a man of your heart, then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've actually had conversations with them and some of their reps about about doing it. The fees didn't work for us. We were going to do it for the cookery school, but we didn't in the end. But it's a great system. A lot of really good restaurants in the UK use the Tok system. Oh, cool! But, that makes yeah, a lot so of sense. Michael O'Hare does, and oh, Gareth does. does, Peter does. Yeah, a lot of guys. It's it's that in that business has gone massive for us it. worldwide. Wow. And Nick's, it seems Nick's right, it. though. That seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. For certain restaurants, undoubtedly. Yeah, exactly. And I assume they started it at Alinea. I don't know. I would assume yeah. that. Yeah, but it's massive. That's pretty damn cool. Love that fact. Um, there's a couple of other little, like, random observations that I had that I sort of, like, put towards the end of my notes. And it's weird. I've never watched a TV show and taken notes before. It, <laughs> oh, it, it makes you pay attention way more, doesn't it? It does. I like, kept pausing because I didn't want to miss yeah. a bit. I was writing it. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah, and I made some. I put a little heading that says "random observations that are nothing to do with food." That just pricked my interest. Okay. The first one, which and I don't know, this is a thing that I realised I do. You know, towards the beginning when they show him and his kids and they're having some burgers outside. Yeah. And his son's wearing a Barcelona Messi shirt. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. it always blows my mind when I see kids in America wearing soccer stars shirts. Yeah, because that Cause, I just don't think of it as being a thing there. Uh, no. So it always blows us like so, and, and I do that British thing of like Tony Taylor go, oh Barcelona top, oh like, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't meet. I don't know why. No. You just it's like instinctive. Like, and in my head, I was thinking, Paul have noticed that. I did straight away, <laughs> honestly, and I thought you would as well. But, it's be- <laughs> but what I was thinking was like, why is he not wearing? Oh, American football shit. That's why. 
Yeah, like American <laughs> soccer, like that shit. Yeah, because so it, it's, it's shorter. It's somehow shorter than a football game, but it takes ten times as long to complete. That is oh, American football. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed, actually, Haley can take credit for this. She picked this up, um, and I don't know why this is a thing that's never really caught on in this country. Valet parking. Did you notice this? Yeah, Those it's not. Um... I mean, it's massive in America in, in major, you know, obviously. Yeah, it's huge. Did you yeah. notice how, how much valet parking was at Alinea? There's a little sign outside. No, I didn't see that at Get, all. 14 bucks. Is it? Like house, I mean, so that's like a tenner for someone else to go and park your car. <laughs> is that good? Is that bad for that level of restaurant? I was just like, imagine, I can't imagine going to Seoul and like someone saying, right, Give me your keys and, a, and and ten quid, and I'll go and park your car for you. I think I'd fucking love it. But <laughs> we uh, had a funny, funny story about that when I worked at Mallory Court. Um, guest there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's got a lovely little island. When you come into the reception, you come up to a country house. Guest uh-huh. there used to come in and park um, and ask the receptionist to park the car. Fuck off! No. And no. I was like, me being like. Not Cobb fucking lab. lazy, and that <laughs> I was like, fucking really, like just just park. the car park was there. It's not like the other side of town. It's it's there. You're practically fucking oh. in it. Yeah, I was um, gonna say, surely it's like a big like it's got loads of ground. Like surely then, they could just go park it themselves. And then the the receptionists were always scared because they were nice fancy cars, so they'd come in, and those chefs would have to do it. So I'd have to go in my chef voice no. and go and park the car. And if they were rude, right, <laughs> fucking, because some no, of them, no. they literally just f- throw the keys at them, like, park this up. So I'd park it right at the other fucking end. Like, the car park was massive. <laughs> I would pick the furthest fucking space <laughs> and stick it up there that, to make the bugger is, work the next day. Like, <laughs> that is brilliant, mate. I, I ain't got that. time for that kind of arrogance. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the last one I put, uh, because I wanted to just um, sort of see what what it was. He's got so he's got two kids. Don't know whether you know this, but he has named yeah. one of them Keller. I knew that actually. Oh, yeah, Thomas I remember Keller. that from the autobiography. Mm. And then I was thinking, fuck me, that's pressure. It's like those two <laughs> kids. It's like, oh, so which one's Keller? That's me. Like you, I like. What is that dynamic now for those two kids? Like one of them is is named after the mentor of your father, and then you just got this other one. Uh, Dave. Like that, yeah. that, yeah, Dave. All right, Dave. Like it just must that must create so many. Yeah. Like, do you know? What I mean, I can't imagine like doing that to. It. I don't. I just don't think I do that to my kid. It's like LeBron I James did... called his kid LeBron. Like, yeah, like, oh, that's just horrible. I did. I did that with Ethan though for his middle name. I was going to ask you his how, middle how name did you is with Ethan. Um, we just both liked the name. That oh, was right. it. We didn't like many together. And then yeah. Rian picked Esme's middle name. Um. Seren, which is Welsh for star, because oh, um, nice. Rian's family are Welsh. Um, uh-huh. So I was like, well, pick, we didn't know it was going to be a boy or a girl. I was like, I'll pick the middle name for um, our next kid. Uh-huh. And I'm not, I had a son, and I was never going to call, it's never going to be Ethan Paul Foster, because Paul's boring, like, let's face it. And, <laughs> oh, no, like, that's fine, mate. That's good. It's yeah. solid. It's my dad's name. I like it. Ah, right. Okay. I can oh, say yeah. it because it's my name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I named him Nico, his middle name, Ethan Nico Foster. So Nico Lidenis, one of my favourite chefs, um, three Mission Star, South Tour. So yeah, Ethan Nico Foster, his name. I never knew that. that Did is, you not? That is fucking cool, though. Yeah, it is a cool name as well. He loves it as well. He he, he always says his full name. He won't say I'm that, Ethan. I was literally about to say, I bet he'll get to a certain age where he decides, like 13, 14, where he decides that his mates need to start calling him Nico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can just see that. I don't know. What, like He'll go through a phase where it's like, it's Nico. Actually, it's just Nico. It's just my friends yeah. call me Nico. So. Don't know if you know, but everyone calls me Nico now. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, he, that's how he introduces himself. I mean, he's only three, like, but he's... He says his full name. He won't say I'm Ethan's, <laughs> but he's he's added a bit now because his nan calls oh, him Gorgeous Boy. So his full name oh, to him, what, the... what what he thinks his full name is is Ethan Nico Foster Gorgeous Boy. <laughs> bless him. Oh, that that's is what, adorable. That's what he says to people. I love it. Oh, bless his heart. That is pretty cool. That's so funny. Oh, mate. Yeah, no, what an episode though. What a great start. Like I I, I thought oh should we like rate should we review should we like star it have our own little sit bit that bollocks to that. I don't want to start yeah. like cuz everyone I thought if we do that everyone on Twitter and Instagram will just go I can't believe you only gave it 3 out of 5. I was like oh shit. Yeah. We've made yeah. this up in the first place, don't worry. 
worry about it. So we're not grading them. But I did. I actually watched it a few years ago, and there was so much I'd forgotten. So it was. Mm. I loved going back through it. I think we should definitely do a couple more of these episodes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll mix it up, and um, but we'll definitely throw some more chef's table in there. Yeah. How long until we have to do because we've run out? We have to do ratatouille. I love ratatouille. Do you? And well, I mean, I don't not love it, but it's like, oh, it's gonna be. It was well, my favorite Pixar. Yeah, oh mate, okay. Well, let, no, we'll do it sooner than expected then. Yeah, and like, I won't spoil too much about it, but all of the, uh, you know, when they do Pixar, they'll like film real life events and things just yeah. to get the flow. They did all of the filming at French Laundry. No like, way. Just a few months before I was there. So, like, if you look, Mental. if when I watch, because I've got the DVD, when you watch the special oh, extras, like some you, of the chefs that I, when I was there, are there. Right. Okay, fuck it. Should we, should we do Ratatouille next week? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Love it. Let's, we'll, <laughs> we'll, let's do Ratatouille. Mate, I don't even have to week. watch it again. I've seen it that much. <laughs> yeah. I've already made notes. I've already made notes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's do Ratatouille next week. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this. I can't... How long we got? Uh, uh, 50 minutes or so. 50 That's minutes. That's not bad, is it? Chatting about. I think yeah. the, the fucking episode was only 42. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to milk it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well done if you stuck with it. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think. And keep... Uh, thanks. I didn't expect to have so many suggestions from people already. There's loads know, of stuff yeah. I've not heard of before. So, you know, we want to keep the band... Keep the band going. So keep yeah. sending your suggestions in. And uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Just search the Nightcap Pod uh, in all those places and you can get it. Um, nice one, mate. Same time next week then. Yes, yeah, definitely. Cool, catch you later. Cool, see you later.